Well, it, at least we'll know, at least we'll know where Ashley Shive is right now. She's right over there right now playing video games. But hey guys, welcome. How are you doing? A little different. You're probably scared over here. You're like, why is he so close to me? What's happening? But we are in the part two of Who's Your One? And I just wanted to direct your eyes. I know, hey, way over there, wave at me way over there. It's like a foreign country over there. Hello. Um, this is Who's Your One? And these are names of people who don't know Jesus. And many of you put names on these to be praying for. Now, if you are part, who was a part of Who's Your, part, Who's Your One? Part one. Do you remember that? Okay, these are not the same sermons, so you cannot take the month off, all right? I know some of you are like, I'm taking a month off and going to the beach. No, this is part two. And we are passionate as a church. We just sang a song, in my father's house are many rooms. We quoted Jesus when he said, in my father's house there are many rooms. And here's the deal. It is so awesome to sing that, right? To be excited who the sun sets free are free indeed. But Jesus said there's many more rooms. There's many more rooms, there's more people. Right next to you is an empty seat for someone who needs to be in his father's house just like you are, who needs to become a son or a daughter. They don't know they're a son or daughter yet and they're waiting on you to invite them to your father's house. And of course, in the big picture, that's heaven. But that's even being a part of the body of Christ right now. So who's your one part two? I have something up here. I'm gonna go back on stage, Brandon, if you wanna grab that. We're kind of improvising here. Now I know some of this stuff is yours. Now this is our Lost and Found, TBA's own Lost and Found. You, you can give it a hand if you want, I guess. But it's a Lost and Found, yes, okay. And Sherry Carey, if you know Sherry, she's been trying to get you to take your stuff for a long time. I think she's even had a table out in the lobby and tried to auction this stuff off. Okay, she wants it out of here. So it was Sherry Carey's doing today that that's up here. It's not actually. A couple weeks ago, I felt like God gave me an image of something. And so that's why I put this lost and found up here. See, some of the strangest things can be found in a lost and found, right? I was reading online, and in France, they actually have established this thing called the Bureau of Found Objects just for lost and found items in Paris. Isn't that weird? They receive 700 items a day. And so I just wanted to read you some of it. It's just interesting things that they had found in this thing. And you can almost, even though they're separate things, you can piece this story together if you listen to this. So here's the number one interesting thing they found. A human skull. I know. That's not in the TBA one. It's okay. A wedding dress not used with shoes. So apparently somebody got cold feet and ran the other way. This, I like this one. An ankle monitor. There's... They're still looking for him or her, I guess. Um, this, uh, this one cracks me up. Remember, this is in Paris. A missile guidance system and, and a camera from the NASA space shuttle. What, what's happening here, people? America's compromised. No, I don't know. A 5.8 diamond carat ring. I, I love the integrity of whoever turned that in. Man. This was kind of funny, but 50 vacuum-packed frogs. They, hey, they like their frog legs in France, right? So I guess that's what it is. And then here's my, this is my two favorite ones. They may not be funny to you, but they're funny to me. A headstone already engraved. But this is the best one to me. A prosthetic leg 
with an athletic shoe still attached to it. How do you miss that? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. But let's look at the underbelly of TBA now, because that's what the lost and found reveals, right? So we have some interesting items. In fact, I put it on the screen. I know you can't really see this, and you may not even be able to see the stuff on the screen, but we have all kinds of fun things here. Somebody was trying to sleep in church. We have a little kitty cat sleeping mask. People are claiming it. Well, you're saying it's mine. No, it's from youth. Oh, it's from youth. Okay, well... Somebody's making s'mores and at the church and decided to bring this, or hot dogs, probably from one of our things. You may be missing your attachment here for out, you know. Apparently, Florida State fans are abandoning the, you know, their team. So, softball. Now, this one I don't understand. Somebody's trying to tell us something. It says, world's okayest pastor. I don't, so, something's up there. Here's a, do you call it a Nobi? I can't remember what it's called, a pacifier. It's been too long. I, I don't want a baby anymore. Anybody, if somebody has half of their, you know, if there's a lady in here and half of your face is painted with makeup, here's your brush. There's a Darth Vader hoodie. There's all kinds of fun stuff up here. And Sherry is auctioning all this up here in just a little while. The Bible, somebody's not reading the word of God. Get up here now. No, it's just joking. It's just joking. But here's the deal. You don't even know it when you pass through those doors, but there's a box right by those front doors. Our lost and found, you pass by it every day. This stuff, nobody has gone looking for, right? Nobody has claimed it, nobody wants it. But I started thinking, God gave this image to me two weeks ago of that. And this is kind of what it looked like for Jesus to come claim us. We were in that lost and found. God came looking for what was lost and what nobody wanted. But how easily do we forget that truth, right? I want you to think about this. God has everything, right? God has everything. But choosing us was like pulling us out of the lost and found. Maybe you forgot that. But that's why we're so excited when we worship because we're like, man, that was me. And what happens is Christ moved into the neighborhood and he came amongst the lost and found what nobody wanted to claim you. Just kind of reflect on that. Have you forgotten the beauty of that? To claim the person next to you. We've got to remember this. Listen to this scripture. I love this. It's a little humbling. So let's take a deep breath, but I love it. We've got to remember this. It says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus. Man, it says not many of you are this, but I can line up and say, man, I was in the lost and found, and he claimed me as his own. But here's what's amazing. When Jesus looks at this table, he sees treasure. See, we see something we don't even want, but he sees treasure, and he saw you as his treasure. Isn't that amazing? Or think of it this way. Let me kind of change the word pictures around a little bit. Ever of you, any of you been at a theater, a well-used theater, you know what I mean by well-used theater? Zach Parker can tell you what a well-used theater is, right? 
Have you ever dropped your phone on the ground and it kind of goes up a little bit and you're getting on the ground and you're like, I think I just put my hand in some of that nuclear movie theater butter that's not even butter. And you pick your phone up and there's like the candy wrapper hanging from it. And I know some of you are germ phobes. So you went out and got a new phone, even though it was perfectly good. But have you ever had that experience? Or maybe you lost your wedding ring. That happened to Jen and I. And we were searching everywhere. We're reaching down into trash cans. There's like this empty feeling that we lost this significant thing. When I was in Oklahoma, and that should be enough to tell you what the story that's coming next. I was born in Oklahoma. We've got some Oklahoma visitors here, so you'll know what I'm saying. But my granddaddy would take us what's called dumpster diving. Do you, have, has anybody heard of dumpster diving? From Oklahoma, and he knows what dumpsters are. Amen, brother. So my grandpa, he, my granddad knew exactly when they would put the old produce out or the old dairy out. There's different days. And so he would take me with him in his crazy 70s van and we'd go over there and he'd be like, Brian, get in the dumpster. Now, if you've been around a dumpster, hopefully everybody has, you understand it smells horrible, right? And that old produce smell, and I'm jumping in dumpsters, grabbing ice cream and milk and all these things. But to him, it was a treasure, right? And here it was in this dumpster that was so smelly. But to my granddaddy and to, and to me, it was these good times and seeking that treasure that we pulled up. See, God came searching for us, searching in the lost and found, crawling in the dumpsters and on slimy floors of this world, searching for you. We can't forget that. The Father's love brought Jesus from heaven down to earth. His love moved Jesus to empty himself and take on human flesh. His love allowed nails to be driven in the hands and feet of the perfect and pure Son of God just for you. You were worth the cost and humiliation of a search that led from the glory of heaven to the horror of a Roman cross. See, when we understand what he did, we understand that the one who came to seek and save that which is lost invites us to the very same mission to crawl in the dumpsters, to get into the lost and found. You see, God's love demands a search. He came searching for us because he loved us. But we can forget that, right? We can forget that lostness when we were in the lost and found. And we need to remember the grace that first brought us to him. Remember the, the hymn, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amen. Praise Jesus. Listen, we can quickly stop operating in grace. And it's not like his grace has gone away. It hasn't. But we can, what happens is we quickly forget the gospel of grace that saved us. And we can operate not from the new life and victory Jesus gave us, but from our flesh and from the lies of the devil. And we don't really love like he loves. We're not motivated to go out and reach people for Christ to get the one person that Jesus said to lay upon your heart to write down on there. And here's the deal. When we don't live in his grace, we don't see other people with grace. We don't see people as Jesus saw them. See, he has elected you to have his life flowing out of you, his grace flowing out of you. And I think the major grace stopper is when we turn inward, right? See, I love this. We need this. You've got to do this. 
But it, it's for this that we go outward. When we just stay inward, it can be bad. See, it's when you stop giving and going out and testifying, you turn inward. Listen, it'd be great if we turned upward, but we don't. And we begin to want to get our own needs satisfied, our own needs met instead of going out. And that's the problem in our hearts. So instead of living sent, we start to think, what am I going to get out of church? It's not, I can't wait to give away what he gave to me in my father's house or many rooms. Come, come taste and see that the Lord is good. See, but when we turn upwards, when we remember why we're here, why Jesus has a church, when we remember we receive grace for our hearts and then we have something to give. Listen, Jesus could see people that we would miss, right? Just like the lost and found, where he sees treasure and we don't. He could see people. Think about this. Some of you might know the story, some maybe you don't. But before his crucifixion, there was a woman down at his feet, washing his feet with her tears. And there was a room full of men. And you know what Jesus said to them? Because he saw her. They didn't see her. He said, do you see this woman? He's saying, look, she understands what's happening, but you don't. Look at her. Or the time when Jesus looked at the crowd and he says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were helpless and harassed on every side. Do you know the verse immediately after he saw them? It says he tells his disciples, look. Same crowd he was looking at. Look, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, look at those people that I have compassion on, helpless and harassed on every side. Look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. See, we don't see like Jesus. How many of you have seen The Chosen? I love The Chosen. So great. I especially love Matthew. Matthew's my favorite. Matthew's so awesome. I love how they paint the picture. But listen how even Jesus saw Matthew that was so different from the other disciples. See, Peter, Mark wrote Peter's, you know, memoirs of what was going on in the, in the gospel of Mark. And this is how Mark sees Matthew. It says, Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Now, we don't know if he was saying that because maybe it covered up the fact that he was a tax collector and so maybe Alpheus was, was hot stuff and so that kind of made up the difference. We don't know why he was doing that. But then in Luke, it says Matthew's job. He was a tax collector. But watch what the book of Matthew says about Matthew. What Matthew himself, when he saw Jesus and Jesus saw him, it says as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man. See, why they saw a pedigree or a status, Jesus saw Matthew, and he sees you too. We just forget. But that's not the challenge of today and why we're doing Who's Your One? Because what Jesus is asking this church, what he's asking TBA is, do you see people? Look at this woman. Look at this man. Look at your one. Will you see them as I see them? People that God has compassion on. Do we remember that we were in the lost and found, but we were worth the search? We were worth the search. Somehow it blows our mind because it's not about us, right? It's about him, but we were worth the search to him. Do you see people? See, if we don't have his heart and his eyes, we will see people as a religious homework assignment that most of you feel guilty about. 
Because you're like, man, I want to reach people, but then you feel guilty. And you're like, I'm scared and fearful. Listen, if we don't see people as he sees them, we'll see them as a religious homework assignment, not someone worth the blood of Jesus. But here's the deal. And this is your first action step. Pray that God will give us a heart. This church, you, a heart to live and see people and love them like he loves them. Lord, give TBA a heart for those who don't know him. This church is growing. I don't know if you've realized it. Look at around, it's growing. But there's still empty seats here. We're preparing an overflow in the youth space on Sundays because we believe God is gonna do an amazing work if his people will be obedient to see people as Jesus sees them. This is a dangerous prayer. If you pray this, it's dangerous. It's the one prayer that he will always answer yes to. He will give you his love for the lost. You have it right now. Ask him to open your eyes. See, Jesus shared his life with us. We weren't just some religious homework from the Father for him. That he's like, oh, see, I got an A, Lord. He wasn't any of that. We too are called to share not only the gospel, but our lives. Jesus shared his life. He reached into the dumpsters. He went amongst the lost and found. See, 1 Thessalonians says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share not only the gospel, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Whatever the one is that you wrote down over here, that one person you're praying for, share your lives. Share your lives. Open your home. Open your heart. Whatever that looks like, if it's taking them out to Starbucks, I don't know what it is, but share your life with them. And of course, we share the message, right? Listen, we don't need to dress the message of the gospel up. We don't need to search for a new way to say the gospel. We just need to be the messengers of the cross. That's it. The simple message of the cross. The gospel doesn't need our help. It just needs a voice. Let me just read this in Corinthians of the power of the gospel. Paul says, I was sent to preach the gospel, not with human words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Listen, you don't have to be clever. You just have to get onto that simple message of what Jesus did on the cross. See, God's message of salvation can't be improved on. We don't need to put a new spin on it to make it more powerful. All we need to do is speak it. And the Holy Spirit takes it and we can't see it. Sometimes you speak about the Lord and it feels like it's just bouncing off of them, but the Holy Spirit takes it whether they realize it or not or whether we realize it or not. And he reveals to the unbeliever their sin and he wakes up their need for a savior. So you are a personal invitation Listen, I, I want you to kind of say that with me, make you a little more uncomfortable. Say, I'm an invitation. I'm an invitation. God has made you to be an inv invite them in to know Christ. I want to kind of start to close a little bit with the parable of the great banquet found in Luke 14. And as I read this, Jesus is talking to two groups of people. He's talking to the religious leaders called the Pharisees and then just the common folk, the other people right there. But listen to this parable because it speaks to us as well. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. 
In other words, in heaven, when that great feast comes, when we all get to heaven, how many of you know that old song, when we all see Jesus, when we all get to heaven? That's kind of the moment right here. But watch what Jesus says. He replies, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. In my father's house are many rooms. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. And now he's kind of calling out the Pharisees right here. <clears throat> but they all alike began to make excuses. They first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. That was us. That was the lost and found. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them. I love this word. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Talking about those who rejected it. See, Jesus, I love this parable. It's kind of funny when you know the audience that he's speaking to. So a certain man gave this great supper with an invitation to come. And really this parable could be called the parable of the great excuses. Because what did they say? You know, it was, I bought some property. I've got five oxen. I love the detail in there. I've got five oxen. I just got married. Good. These aren't bad stuff, right? But listen, when you go out to share Christ, they're going to give you excuses. But I love the one, I've got to go test out my oxen, my five oxen. Like who wants to work? When you've got like Ling's buffet, you're being invited to eat at a buffet, okay? But I love that. I'm going to go home and do some work, Jesus, instead of go eat some amazing food. Or like the oxen are like a car. Like I got to try out my oxen Lamborghini because these go 100 mile per hour versus my old ones. What's the deal? But notice who did not have an excuse in the parable. Do you know who didn't have an excuse in the parable? The ones being sent out. They just did what the master told them to do. They just went to people and invited them. That's what we're supposed to do. But so often we have our own excuses not to testify and to go out so that Pharisees wouldn't come in. So he says, go out, go out quickly into the streets to the poor, the lame, and the blind. That's us. We got invited, but there's still room. You see, we turn around and we go out and become the inviters. And that word, Jesus said, he said to compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. Now I hear that and I'm like, that, that means I gotta change up the gospel, make it a little fancy or you know, make sure it, it hits them okay because they're their certain style or whatever. That's not what it means. In the Greek it means to constrain by force. And you know I like word pictures, right? It's a picture of this and I should have grabbed somebody. Luke, uh, you know, maybe you can do this, but you know, I was gonna grab you, but I'm not because you'd probably do it to me. But it's putting somebody's arm behind their back. See, he's like, yeah, I would drop you, bro. If you like to, <laughs> I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. But it's you put their arms behind them and you compel them to come in. You constrain them to come in. Jesus is giving this urgency. And Jesus said it has to be done quickly. Go out. The door's closing. The door is closing. Listen, the door is still closing. 
And he says, compelled him to come in. Go out quickly. This is time-sensitive stuff. This isn't just, hey, we had some cool thoughts about doing who's your one. No, this is time-sensitive to Jesus. Jesus is like, I want you to go out and constrain people to come in and know me. I'm glad you're coming in, daughter. I'm glad you're coming in, son. But while there's still time, I want you to also go out and testify. I want others to come in. Speak to those who have excuses and speak to those who don't have excuses too. So think about the setting. Think about this for us. They're sitting around a table feasting, eating with Jesus. This was kind of a feast of worship. We're commanded to do it. This is beautiful. This is so beautiful when the church gets together. They're all around feasting and eating. We've been worshiping and feeding on the word of God. And then one man says, and this would probably be me, like, man, I can't wait to do this in heaven. Man, we're going to be worshiping. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be so amazing. It'll be great when we all get to the kingdom and eat. It's going to be great when we get there and worship, right? And I look around, and many of you are there. You're going to heaven. You're his. You're going to be at the feast, and we're together, and we should be to worship in spirit and truth. But I look around at a lot of empty seats. I look around and know there's still people, and there's still time to go get them. And in this parable, Jesus' mind, when he hears that, can't wait to get to heaven, Jesus' mind immediately goes to not those who will be with him. He loves us, right? But he's found us already. His mind immediately goes to those who will not be there. They won't be at the meal. And he says, go get them. There's more room. Go quickly. Go get them. He says, it's not time to eat right now. It's time to invite. Because there's a lot that won't be there. And I think there's one reason they won't be there. They didn't accept the invitation because we didn't give them an invitation. We didn't invite them. We weren't going out. And maybe he's using this forceful image because time is running out. Listen, hell was not designed for people but for Satan and his demons and his angels. Maybe Jesus has urgency and says use force because he understands what hell will be like. Maybe we don't understand that they don't have eternity to decide to accept Christ, but they have to do it in this life. And time is running out. And God holds back Jesus from coming because he wants more people to accept him and not choose that other place. Church, our silence is deafening and it shows we don't understand his love and mission. And we should have one goal, to depopulate hell and populate heaven with the elect. Jesus is like, get your feet out from under my table and stop eating and go out and compel them to come in. Because there's going to be a time that the master is going to close the door and no one can come in. So go get them, TBA. Go get them. See, notice the ones, I already said this, but notice the ones that were sent out, that invited, they didn't have excuses. They're kind of the heroes of the story that are kind of unseen. But I'll be, I'll be real, I have excuses. Maybe you share some of these excuses. The big one is fear, Right? man. But Jesus always reiterates, take courage. I love it because often we're like, we feel like God's voice kind of speaking to us like, hey, I want you to go invite that person. You ever had that kind of voice? You're like, I want you to invite him to church. I want you to go talk to him. Have you had that? You're like, no, Lord, you know, it's that kind of thing. And so we're like, well, God, is that you? We're like, God, are you sure that's you? If it's your voice, send me another sign. We start to do this thing. And we're like, well, maybe it's Satan. Well, listen, just a secret Satan is not going to ask you to invite them to church. Just FYI. Just kind of a thing, you know. But many of you know it's not Satan. 
Many of you know it, but we make that excuse because we're fearful. He's telling you to have that voice to invite them. And we're like, well, what if they say no? How many of you are like me? You fear rejection. I think we all can say we fear rejection in this place, right? We've all experienced rejection. And so it's hard when we do this because we don't want to be rejected. What if they're one of the ones with the excuses? Oh, I just bought five Lamborghini oxens. Sorry. And you're like, well, give me one of those and then we're good. But we fear that rejection. But listen, it's okay if they say no. You planted a seed. We so fear rejection. But they said no in the parable. Jesus knows they'll do that. But Jesus keeps sending them out. The master sends them out. They aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. The other excuse we use is it's not my wiring. How many of you said that? You're like, well, that's the one that's super close to God and they have the gift of evangelism. I've said that kind of stuff. I'll just be honest. But Kevin Hartney writes in Organic Worship something I thought was good. He says, so who is the best at inviting? Who's the best person? Let's, let's break this down. Who's the best person to invite others to know Christ? And he says this, it's best done by extroverts. Now we could stop right there and that's what many of you believe, right? You're like, oh, I'm not extroverted, so sorry, I can't do it. Listen to what he says, it's not done. It's best done by extroverts, introverts, and everyone in between. It's best done by people who lead with their feelings or by those who approach life with an intellectual bent and by everybody in between. It's most effective when it's done by the bold and bossy, by the shy and sensitive, and by everybody in between, by those who are longtime mature followers of Jesus, and by brand new believers. You get the point. Look in the mirror. That's who is the best at inviting. It's you. It's you. He's called you to do it. One of our other excuses is that it's inconvenient. How many of you have like felt that? You know, it's inconvenient. Man, I'm rushing to get to church. I got to go serve. And then it's inconvenient, right? Listen, Satan has disguised this world to be inconvenient to present the gospel. And so he wants to shut every door to make it inconvenient to share the gospel. But it's an illusion. No matter what he does, he can't stop the gospel. And you hear that voice. You're a bother. Don't, don't say anything. You're a bother. You're not a bother. Speak whatever Jesus said. Like this is a little while ago. And as I tell you this story, many times I have not done this. So I, I want to share that I've also been disobedient in this. But Jason, I took him to get a haircut across the street over there. And I'm sitting there. And I'm sitting like a, a, a chair in between a lady. And there's a guy over here and another lady over here. And I feel like the Lord says, talk to her. And I'm like, God, that's not you. You know, I'm like, look at this place, Lord. Surely it's inconvenient. You won't tell me to talk to her. There's a dude right there. There's somebody over here. No, Lord, I won't do it. And I'm like, I have to do it. And so I just began to talk to her because I felt like the Lord told me to and began to hear about her life and she had some physical things going on. And then she ended up being a believer, but she had her family she was praying for and we got to talk about all this. And right there I prayed for her in the middle of the thing and it felt weird, but also felt great at the same time because I was obedient. And sometimes I haven't done that, I'll just be honest. But the times I do it, I'm like, yes, Lord. I was fearful, it was inconvenient but I stepped into what you asked me to do. Step into what he's asking you to do. Listen, the more you listen to the Holy Spirit, the more you'll recognize his voice. The more you'll recognize his voice. And here's the last thing. This is the thing that ties it all together. Spend time with him. Spend time with him. It's easy to testify about someone 
you're consumed with, right? Someone when you're thinking about them all the time, you ever see a man fall in love? Oh, come on, somebody seen a man fall in love? Or you've been in love? Hopefully you've been in love, people. You ever seen them? Like they're with their friends, right? And they're like playing video games and eating Doritos and their whole life is 24-7, like, bro, what's up? Doing all this stuff. And then suddenly they're missing in action. And you're like, where's Bill? Bill's gone. Bill hasn't been here in weeks. Why didn't we notice he wasn't here in weeks? He hasn't been here. And then you see Bill, he's out and about, and he's got a woman right next to him. And you're like, Bill, what are you doing? We ate Doritos all day and play video games. And when you talk to Bill, he's consumed to talking about Sally. All he can do is Sally this, Sally that. And you're like, Bill, shut up. Come back to us. Come back, Bill. But he's consumed with this girl, right? Bill wants to be with her all the time. That's what we do, right? See, when Jesus picked his disciples, he said he went up onto a mountain all night and prayed who the 12 disciples were gonna be. He went up on a mountain, he prayed all night, and when he came down, it says in the scriptures that he called them, the disciples, to number one, be with him, and then he says he sent them out. And we get the order mixed up. We try to to be sent and live sent without just being with him, being consumed with the Lord, being consumed with our brother. He's our big brother. He's our friend, it says in John. The king, the Lord, the shepherd, that's who he is to us. And when we spend time with him, our thoughts start to get consumed with him. So spend time with him. And here's the last thing. You need to pray and ask for boldness. Make it a prayer. I know it sounds crazy, but we already asked you to pray, right, for heart, to have his heart for the lost. Pray and ask him to make you bold. Make it a prayer. I find it interesting that in Acts, under the threat of death, instead of hiding, the apostles prayed for more boldness. They said, hear their threats, O Lord. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. How many of you want to be bold? Maybe you just need to ask for it. Maybe you just need to ask for it and pray for boldness because the king of kings, the conquering lion of Judah, the lamb of God lives in you and he's very bold and he will make you bold. So I've mentioned quite a bit about prayer, right? Specific things to ask him. Pray to have his love for people. Pray for boldness, but listen, this is the key. Put legs to your prayer. Put legs to your prayer. Listen, this is the key to prayer that we forget People pray, use me, Lord, use me, use me, but then they do nothing. They don't step out in faith. And here's what I've noticed about prayer. This is what I've learned about prayer, and I'm not perfect in this. We can't wait till we feel it. We have to be obedient. And when we're obedient, the boldness comes as we obey. Have you experienced that? I have. When we're like, God, I'm so fearful. And they're like, make me not afraid. And then I'll go out and tell people about Christ. It's not how it works. You pray, make me not afraid. Make me bold. And then you step out and you go. And a lot of times you're trembling. And then you speak and boldness comes over you through Holy Spirit. And you were obedient. Put legs to your prayer. Boldness comes as we obey. Step out on your prayer with faith that God is going to answer with boldness, with compassion, with a love for the lost. Don't wait until you have a love for the lost. Go out praying in faith that he's going to give it to you and don't have excuses. Don't live with excuses. 
We are called to invite others. We are called to the search, to the lost and found. And Jesus said, go. He said, go. So who's your one? Who's your one? But let me ask the next question. What is your one's next step? I know a few of you I've talked to in here who told me, updated me on their one that they're praying for. They're like, they're like actually my one is two, you know, and I'm like, that's awesome. And they're like, and we're gonna probably go out and get coffee or we're gonna eat. Share your life. Listen, they need to know you care before you share. Some of you have heard that before. Spend time with them and then speak the gospel in faith, knowing it's not you that's powerful, but it's Christ that's powerful. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you searched for us, that you came to the lost and found just for us, Lord. I thank you that you rolled around in the dumpsters to find me, Father, that you sent your son to do what is so foreign to what heaven is. Heaven is pure and holy place, and yet the pure and holy, perfect son of God came to find me and us and everyone in this room. Lord, let that just deepen itself in our heart through your Holy Spirit's power. Let us come alive as a church to be obedient to your mission, Lord. I'm praying, God, for boldness over TBA, the boldness of your Holy Spirit to, in faith, speak forth your gospel, to share their lives and to share the message of the cross, the simple message of how you came and died on the cross to replace our sins and in place of us. Father, I pray you would transform TBA. God, I pray you transform this church to be a church of those who were lost but have now been found and that you'd use every single person in this room that they would feel the weight of that calling, not out of guilt, but out of being so excited that they're loved and they can't wait to give what they've been given. Lord, freely you've given to them. Freely they've received and now you ask them to freely go and give. Father, I'm praying for a church that has that heart and that mind, Lord, that seeks you with all their hearts. God, we're asking to do a special work at TBA, please, that we cannot do of ourselves, that you have to turn our hearts and minds towards you, Lord, towards your love for the lost. Put your love for the lost in this church and every person in here. Father, give them boldness. And bless them, Lord. Bless this church for the honor and glory of your name and your name alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe this morning you realize I'm lost. I'm in that lost and found. And something in your heart is moving and you're like, I think Jesus is trying to get a hold of my heart. Opening up your eyes to see who his son is. And he died on the cross for your sins so that you could be reconciled to the Father in heaven who is holy and pure and perfect and loves you enough that he would send his son to die for you. If that's you, right now is the time to let him find you. Now is the time to let him enter into your heart and give you new life. You need a new life. Your old life was corrupted by sin. He wants to give you his life, a new life. He died on the cross for your sins. If that's you, you need to stand up when this music is playing and come back to Next Steps. We'd like to pray with you, but where you're seated, you can invite Jesus in right now. You can say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I realize that you died 
for my sins on the cross. And I'm a sinner that's separated from you. But you died to bring me close. He loves you. Ask him for new life right now if you don't know him. And maybe you've been a believer a while and you've forgotten. You forgot what it was like when he first found you. You forgot that amazing grace. Remember your wretchedness, not so you can be like, oh, I'm such a wretch. Remember your wretchedness so you can say, now I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the Most High King. And I do my father's business. Just like Jesus said, I do my father's business. I'm about my father's work. Church, it's time to rise up and be about our father's business. It's time we were obedient. Let this church, God is doing great things. He built us a building. But the building is for more lives. Dave was saying that there's been more students coming on Wednesday nights. Because the building wasn't built for even the youth, though much God loves you all. He built it for others to come in. There's still room in your father's house. There's still room on Wednesday nights and there's still room on Sunday mornings and throughout the whole week. Your life is an invitation. We've got to understand that. And we've got to live this life that he's called us to because time is short and the master is at the door. I don't know with all these world events what's going on, but it makes me think the master's right at the door ready for it to close. And time is running out. We need to quickly go out and tell them the good news that's in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Amen. Why don't you all stand and let's worship. If any of you need prayer, you can come to Next Steps. If any of you just have a burden, you need to just get off your chest and be prayed over, come to Next Steps. And if you don't know Jesus, it's time. If you're at home watching to give your life to Jesus and to be committed to reach others. Amen. Amen.